Anything that needs to be done on a mass scale, population health included, if you're talking about management of chronic disease, it needs to involve community pharmacy. It, it, it just can't be left to GPs alone. But we've heard continuously from GPs about the burden that over-vaccination has placed on their practices and how it's affected their ability to be able to service patients for other healthcare needs. Pharmacy is a little bit more dynamic and can adapt a little bit better to these challenges. Hi, I'm Natalie Willis, pharmacy owner and Guild National Councillor from WA, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. The COVID-19 vaccine rollout approaching its fifth month in community pharmacy has presented challenges and also great opportunities for community pharmacy. Natalie Willis, WA pharmacy owner and Guild National Councillor, spends some time with us discussing her experience being involved in the vaccine rollout and the impact on the scope of pharmacy practice. We also hear from Jared Benedet, Queensland Branch Director and Campaign Director for the National COVID PR Campaign. Jared shares the key takeaways of consumer research conducted to inform the Guild's campaign to achieve high numbers of Australians being vaccinated against COVID-19 through participating pharmacies and his insights into what is planned next for the rollout. But first, let's start with Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for giving us some of your time today because I know that you are incredibly busy in your pharmacy, particularly during the pandemic, and I know that your pharmacy has been part of the COVID vaccination rollout. How's it all been going? How has the rollout been received in your community and in your pharmacy in particular? Very well, I'd have to say. The relationships that we have with our patients, many of them have been waiting for the vaccines to be available in pharmacy in order to come and have theirs because they trust that we're going to do a good job with it. So um, you know, add that to the convenience of being able to walk in, make a booking on the day, do it at a time that's that's suitable for them. Um, and you know, just the fact that they already know us and have an established relationship with us and don't have to wait for hours in a queue somewhere um, that they've traveled across you know five suburbs to get to um, makes us perfectly placed and uh, to deliver this service and and it's been really well received. Being part of the vaccination rollout, it obviously has a huge impact on the pharmacy, especially considering that you are already busy and you can't really just like shut down for a couple of days to figure out how to implement this and get everything ready and then reopen when you are ready to go. So you need to do it on the run, so to speak. Was it difficult implementing the service in the pharmacy and and are there any practical tips that you can share about how you implemented COVID vaccinations in your pharmacy? Fortunately for us and and many pharmacies around the country, we've already got really well-established protocols um, that have been put into place for influenza vaccines, and it was not terribly difficult to adapt them to deliver COVID vaccine. We've obviously got some differences in terms of multi-dose vials and expiry dates and these sorts of things that necessitated putting in place some extra, uh, you know, points along the way that we needed to cover off, some extra paperwork and um, extra uh, bit of record keeping that we had to do. But having that process established has made the implementation of a COVID service that much easier. But, you know, in terms of tips for other people, it's, it's just important to have all your staff come along the journey with you and to be 
making sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, and then once that happens, then it, it, things can flow really smoothly. Um, if you've got a vaccination champion for the day, that always helps. When If it, everybody knows who will be the chief vaccinator for that day, then you can adjust other pharmacy workflows around them to make sure that they're, they're free and, and that the work gets done um, basically in their absence because they're um, in a room vaccinating. Um, but it also helps um, to know for everybody to know who they need to approach to let them know that somebody's waiting for a vaccine. Um, and if, if somebody else comes in to speak to that particular pharmacist, um, that we know we, everybody's on the same page and knows where they are and what they're doing and can provide that advice. But uh, having those protocols is, is and having a very uh, standardised workflow uh, enables everybody else to get on with business as usual in the pharmacy and make sure that everybody else who's coming in for a non-COVID service um, gets the usual level of service that they expect. And that may mean employing new, more staff, um, you know, having some extra staff in on the days when the vaccination bookings are particularly busy. Um, and for me, I'm, we're fortunate in that um, I, I'm often around as, a, as an extra pharmacist and I can step into that space. Um, but um, that's the most important thing is, is uh, setting up those protocols and then making sure everybody knows about it. Is, is, is really important as well. Um, you know, have some signage up. Um, you know, a lot of the banner groups are doing radio uh, and letting customers and patients know that, that the service is available. So that's um, really important as well to create that demand. Now, Natalie, I imagine the response from patients has been varied and we know some people who are not vaccinated or maybe they took a while to get vaccinated are not actually anti-vax, but instead they might just be hesitant or there's even those that, that aren't hesitant, but they just don't have any urgency around taking action. With those people, how do you have a conversation with someone who doesn't really right now feel the urgency to get vaccinated? Fortunately, we've got those trusted relationships with our patients. So it's a lot easier to have these conversations with somebody that you know well. And they're coming in to see us for a variety of reasons. They don't need to make an appointment with us just to come in and talk about a vaccine. It becomes part of our conversation as we're dealing with, uh, whether it be prescriptions or other health matters. Um, we can talk to them about whether or not they've had their vaccine. And when it becomes apparent that they haven't and, and that they're actually quite hesitant, hesitant about it, we can have that conversation. We can take them to a private area if that is more suitable for them um, and be able to just acknowledge and address their concerns and go through them and, and be able to make sure that they feel more at ease and that they've got factual information um, and they're not being swayed by information which is uh, perhaps uh, not quite the uh, real deal that they might have gotten from dubious sources. So, um, you know, when you actually explain things and it's coming from a qualified health professional, quite often that in itself is enough to, um, you know, convince them that vaccination is a good idea. And as long as you're not judgmental and you don't make them feel stupid and, and you can, you know, be very calm and, 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 you know, keep your temper if they start to throw back some really silly conspiracy theories at you, um, then quite often you can, you can, you know, get these people over the line and they can, you know, understand what they need to know to make an informed decision. 
But, you know, explaining to them the likely consequences of non-vaccination as well can be really powerful um, when it's not just um, about the community, not just, you know, do this for the community, but what might happen to them personally if they were to contract COVID, which is, you know, almost inevitable um, once all the borders open up. So, you know, what would happen if they were hospitalised, if, if the worst happened, or even if they got, even if they weren't hospitalised, but they got long COVID, um, you know, and they weren't able to work effectively, you know, how are they going to take care of their kids? How are they going to earn an income for their family? And a lot of them haven't thought about these things. Um, and when you start sort of breaking it down like that and weighing up the consequences of, of getting COVID versus the potential consequences of a vaccine, um, you know, it starts to very heavily sway in favour of getting vaccinated. A little bit more difficult are the anti-vaxxers at the other end. I mentioned them before. Have you had many conversations with anti-vaxxers? And if so, how have you managed those? We've been lucky in that we haven't had that same aggressiveness that a lot of pharmacies have experienced. And, you know, unfortunately, that's actually gotten violent in a number of instances, which is just completely unacceptable. Um, we approach it the same way as we do with vaccine hesitant people, you know, ask them to explain why it is that they have that particular viewpoint um, and a, a address what they're saying in a, in a logical manner. Unfortunately, logic doesn't work in a lot of these cases and, you know, their minds are already made up and there's not a lot you can do to change it and they're just trying to make a point, um, which is fine as long as they're not doing it in an abusive or aggressive manner, in which case, you know, they just get asked to leave. And generally speaking, you know, there are other people in the pharmacy that do not share their point of view um, and generally, are, you know, are also sort of monitoring the situation as well um, to see what's happening because, you know, they recognise that these things can flare up as well. So in a pharmacy, we never feel like we're alone. We always feel like, you know, all of our regular patients and clientele are, are sort of on our side um, and helping to protect us in these sorts of situations should they turn nasty. But, you know, it, it's up to us to um, manage the situation and to use our professional expertise to explain to these people, you know, give them some facts that they may not be aware of, whether or not they take them into account. We can't be accountable for that. Sage advice indeed, Natalie. The TGA have announced that pharmacies currently onboarded to administer the spike vax, the Moderna vaccine, will now have the opportunity to order and administer the Pfizer vaccine. Do you think this is going to change demand in the pharmacy at all in terms of people coming in and seeking vaccinations from a community pharmacy? From a primary vaccination course standpoint, not really. Um, we certainly do have some patients that we've spoken to who, who will only get the Pfizer and have been putting it off because of the inconvenience that they currently suffer from um, making an appointment to get Pfizer. Either their own GP doesn't do it or they don't, they don't run a clinic at a time that's convenient for the patient um, or they need to actually go to a mass vaccination clinic that is not convenient for them. So having Pfizer available in a pharmacy enables these people to actually come in and get their vaccine in a safe and convenient manner. I don't think it's going to cause an overwhelming change in demand. Most uh, of the public understand that for all intents and purposes, Moderna and Pfizer are you know, very similar and have similar safety and efficacy profiles and are you know, virtually interchangeable from that point of view. But what we're gearing up for is the booster program. 
is with Pfizer being the only vaccine currently um, approved by the TGA to be a, a third shot booster, um, that's where the demand for pharmacy is going to, to come in because a lot of people who received their primary schedule from another supplier, not a pharmacy, um, will get their third dose booster from a pharmacy from a purely from a convenience point of view. So we'll see a lot of patients that we haven't seen previously for COVID vaccine and that will certainly drive demand. Community pharmacies' response and particularly the eagerness to lead the COVID vaccination rollout and now, as you just mentioned, boosters as well, it's commendable. What is your opinion on the potential for pharmacy participation in the rollout to be able to impact on the scope of pharmacy practice? Well, we've established a really great safety profile for the delivery of vaccinations in pharmacy. And now the, all that's left in terms of, of scope of pharmacy practice as far as vaccinations are concerned is to just open up all vaccinations to pharmacy, which is the logical next step. We've proven that we can do it. We've proven that we're safe and effective. Um, we've proven that there's uh, customer demand, that patients have voted with their feet and, uh, and want to have their vaccine in a pharmacy. And we also, you know, you know are one of the most accessible health professionals. So um, it makes sense that that if you the more convenient you make getting a vaccine, the more likely somebody is to actually receive a vaccine. So in terms of pharmacy, that just seems inevitable because it just makes sense. But what it's also proving is that pharmacy can do and should be doing more uh, in other areas of of health practice as well. That you know anything that needs to be done on a mass scale, you know population health included. If you're talking about chronic disease management of chronic disease, it needs to involve community pharmacy. It it, it just can't be left to GPs alone. It, you know we've seen that we've heard continuously from GPs about the burden that COVID vaccination has placed on their practices, um, and how it's in, affected their ability to be able to service patients for other healthcare needs. Pharmacy is a little bit more dynamic and can adapt a little bit better to these challenges um, and change the way that they do practice and change their staffing levels and, and workflows and what have you to be able to accommodate new areas of practice. And that makes us ideally placed to be able to help out with some of the health challenges that are currently facing the Australian community. Well, speaking of those health challenges, you mentioned that pharmacies should and could be doing more, and it makes sense. We spoke then about the broader scope of practice, but bringing it back to COVID, what role do you see for pharmacy in COVID point of care testing? Perhaps the announcements that have happened in the past couple of, of weeks around rapid antigen tests um, may indicate that that horse has bolted, um, that if they're going to be made available for the community to use in the privacy of their own homes, it really does sort of sideline healthcare professionals of having a appointed role um, in, in point of care testing. Um, it doesn't mean that there won't be a role. Uh, and certainly if governments are looking to mandate a workflow where um, a point of care test in such as a rapid antigen test is recorded and if, if that test is positive then um, the health department is able to follow up with that patient to make sure that they receive a PCR test um, then you know somebody like a pharmacist is is perfectly placed to be able to deliver that service. If governments decide not to go down that route and rely on patients to um, do their own testing and then follow up themselves with a PCR test, then our role will be to actually have these 
uh, rapid antigen tests on sale and be able to provide advice and follow-up um, for patients that, that wish to purchase these tests. Um, you know, so it can go either way and pharmacy can have a role in, in whatever way the government and the health departments choose to roll this out. And now, as I mentioned, we're also going to hear from Jared Benedett, Queensland Guild Branch Director and COVID PR Campaign Director. Hi, Jared, and thanks for joining us today and giving us some insights into the Guild's involvement in the COVID response. Let's start with hearing about how the Guild is helping to raise awareness of COVID vaccinations in community pharmacy. Well, the Guild's led the way in advocating to government uh, in terms of uh, access, price, uh, the rules around the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. It hasn't been easy and we haven't always been successful. Uh, but we've commented publicly where we've felt that patients are being let down. And that's been complemented by the Commonwealth Government, who recently purchased a number of services from the Guild. Uh, in the form of a public relations campaign to publicise the availability of vaccines in community pharmacy. To date, uh, the focus has been primarily on the Find a Pharmacy website, where we can track bookings, be accountable for the uh, advertising spend, uh, and it includes all members who are offering uh, vaccination services. So to date, we've seen about uh, 4.5 million unique Australians visit the Find a Pharmacy website. Um, the digital advertising that we've put in place has been seen over 16 million times. We've had 178,000 bookings on the Pharmacy website, um, which is enormous uh, considering that the, the site uh, was never really intended for um, uh, for bookings for COVID-19, but uh, the Guild staff swung into action very quickly and converted it to uh, a booking platform where uh, you can go and search for uh, services that are offered, whether that be AstraZeneca or Moderna in this case, or both, uh, and make a booking. I think fundamentally, uh, there's one thing that's really important. Natalie will be seeing this through uh, her pharmacies, uh, and this pandemic's not over. Um, we might like it to be. Uh, each lockdown release, uh, it feels a little bit like it's coming to an end, but the pandemic really does have more to run. Uh, we're moving into a fascinating phase now of living with the virus instead of pretending to control it, and that means booster shots. That means more push towards the public in terms of uh, what services are offered in community pharmacy, what the experience looks like, uh, and how they can go about booking. The COVID-19 vaccination PR campaign has largely been digital, but it's about to enter into a new phase shortly with the distribution of kits to pharmacies, uh, above the line advertising like newspapers and outdoors, uh, and a large investment in script backs. As I said a little earlier, this isn't over uh, and the booster program will run from the 8th of November all the way through 2022 into the middle of the year, if not longer. And we may even have children as young as five being part of the program, depending on the vaccine into the future. So there is more to run. It's not over. Um, yes, the heavy lifting of getting people through dose one and dose two uh, is complete or nearing complete in both the ACT, New South Wales 
uh, and Victoria. Tasmania is doing really well as well. Uh, and then there's some other states, um, state of Queensland, where I'm from, which is a little bit behind where we'd like to be. Uh, but uh, encouragingly, the rates are picking up uh, and we're seeing that in the numbers that are coming through uh, in the daily reporting that we get from the Commonwealth. Uh, you know, the milestone this week of passing 1.5 million vaccines in community pharmacy should not be underestimated, considering the significant workplace uh, issues that people are experiencing, workforce issues that people are experiencing. Uh, and it's a true credit to everyone uh, who is offering COVID-19 vaccination services that they've been able to see patients, keep their dispensaries running uh, and, uh, and manage, particularly in those lockdown states, to do it with the additional burden of the lockdown. I agree. It is a true credit, particularly in difficult circumstances. Lots of great work done so far in community pharmacies, but also, as you rightly say, lots still to come. I know that consumer research has been undertaken as part of that campaign that was put in place that you spoke about earlier. Can you tell us what that research tells us now? What were some of the key findings from it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think importantly, what, uh, what are the key things that we're doing off the back of those findings too? Um, I'm happy to, happy to go through as well. So about 17% of Australians, uh, so this was done mid-October, uh, were not fully vaccinated or booked in for a vaccine. Uh, there is basically two groups to that uh, number. Those that uh, are a little hesitant still, um, and then those who are anti-vaccine. Uh, now, the anti-vaccine number is smaller as a percentage uh, than those uh, that are still hesitant. Uh, so there is still uh, people coming into your pharmacy for first doses um, who have gone through a period or process of discernment that's led them to uh, booking an appointment and coming and seeing you. So, so please um, understand that they are a very different uh, customer to the early or first adopters um, of the vaccines that we may have seen uh, way back in May. Um, about 50% uh, of that group um, that is yet to, be, to receive a vaccine, um, their number one concern is side effects. About 37% then say, you know, have questions around the efficacy. Uh, and then there's a smaller portion, about 12%, who say they just simply haven't got round to it. And the surprising thing on vaccine hesitancy is it's disproportionately younger females, residents of rural areas, and those who are on low, uh, so, uh, lower incomes. There is a knowledge gap amongst vaccine hesitant Australians, which indicates that they're receptive to a message from pharmacy about how we might be able to help. And pharmacy specific messaging is influential um, on vaccine-hesitant people. We, we've, we've tested it, we've seen it in the research come through very strongly, uh, as well as those people um, who have children who are not vaccinated. Uh, and if we end up with uh, vaccines being given to people above the age of five, and between the ages of five and 11, um, obviously parents are gonna be making that decision in the most part for their children. Uh, and they and those parents are receptive to a message from community pharmacy about how safe, effective um, and efficient the vaccine services are that you provide 
together with a special emphasis on the training you undertake. Uh, the vaccine course, specifically the fact that you keep your um, first aid um, training up to date and that you've undertaken the compulsory Commonwealth training, just like nurses and GPs, uh, is really influential in saying or determining someone's mind to pharmacy as an option for vaccination. Um, so with the supply issues having been solved, with Moderna, Pfizer and AstraZeneca being available um, in large quantities, uh, there is still uh, a portion of the population that just haven't got round to it. Uh, and that leads really nicely into convenience. Uh, the number one thing community pharmacy has going for it in the COVID-19 rollout is convenience. Um, and that is uh, centred around the ability to do it, uh, not necessarily in an overly planned manner, so your walk-ins, uh, but to also book an appointment and do it in a manner that is very simple, efficient and effective. So there, there's some of the, the high level findings. Uh, in terms of the vaccines themselves, Moderna is seen as comparably safe uh, compared to Pfizer, obviously, um, Australians know the Pfizer name and brand, uh, and it hasn't been associated with the side effects that uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, has been associated with, noting that you obviously do have some side effects from any of the vaccines. But uh, awareness and knowledge of Moderna is, is obviously low. Um, it's the newest of the three. Uh, and we'll be doing some work publicly, as I said, uh, when the campaign goes above the line. Uh, so in a more public, uh, traditional media sense uh, around Moderna, what's in it. Um, a huge number of doses of Moderna have been administered worldwide. Uh, and we need to raise the profile of that vaccine uh, over the next few months, particularly with, uh, with boosters uh, and the Pfizer rollout continuing. Unfortunately, some of that hesitancy that you spoke about earlier can be there in people and it can be caused by mistrust and, and misinformation in, in wider society and, and particularly on social media. And you mentioned that pharmacies rightly should be mindful about those who are anti-vax versus those that are hesitant and those hesitant people coming into the pharmacy to have conversations can you tell us when speaking with patients, where do pharmacists rank on the, the trust scale in relation to other health professions? Yeah, it's a great question. And one that you wouldn't be surprised to know that the Guild tracks uh, and monitors and has for some years now. The key and core equity of the profession is trust. Uh, you know, as a consumer of medicines, uh, we don't always know what's in them how they'll interact with other things. Uh, and we give over our personal medical information to a pharmacist, just like a general practitioner or other medical professional. Uh, and that's, that's a huge step for people. I think uh, it's been taken for granted um, that we, you know, we, we just pass on our medical information. I think you're seeing around the vaccine rollout, some of the commentary at least, going back towards uh, the privacy of medical records, um, personal information and those type of things. So, so don't underestimate the, uh, the consumer's view of the information they're handing to you. Uh, 
um, and the trust that sits behind that. So the numbers, we've risen, which has uh, been really pleasing to see as a profession. Uh, and trust in pharmacists has gone from 69% uh, in, uh, in 2019 to 76% in April 2020 and to 85% in uh, October 2021. Uh, the challenge now is to lock in those gains there's obviously a COVID-19 halo for the profession. Uh, and I think that's that's justified. It's to, to the, frankly, it's a non-paid remuneration for the, uh, for the effort that people have put in in lockdowns, uh, in keeping people safe, in dispensing medicines when, um, you know, you've had large virus loads in your community. Uh, and you're seeing the uh, the patients or your patients return that favour in an increasing number of um, percentage points uh, on a trust scale, uh, which is really important. And I think, as I said, uh, the challenge now is to really lock that in. So, Jared, you mentioned that it's really important to lock in the gains around trust that pharmacies have gained, that increasing trust over the last sort of 18 months to two years. But the COVID does at the moment provide a halo. So considering all that, how can we leverage off the trust that's been increased in pharmacists to, to effectively support vaccinations, but particularly those who are hesitant? Well, look, I think there's three things. Um, the first is the customer interaction. When we're not focused on price and we're talking about services, our customers um, trust us more. Um, we shift the mindset of the profession in terms of being seen as a retail destination to more of a, a holistic health destination. Uh, and I think that's really important now. Um, you've had people come to your pharmacy who are not your usual shoppers, not your usual customers, and you've now got an opportunity to demonstrate what a customer, what a high-class customer interaction would be for them going forward. Uh, the second part of that is conversations. Uh, I know it's easy because of the way we're remunerated and because of time constraints and workloads um, to, to get stuck behind the dispensary um, for hours on end. Uh, and I think it's uh, really important to have conversations, particularly with new customers. And I think inherently you know uh, who your newer customers are and those conversations build high levels of trust uh, because you'll, more, you'll find out more about them um, and you'll be potentially able to help them in more ways. Uh, and that comes to the third element and that is the, or the help. Uh, it's easy to say we help people, it's harder to do. Uh, I think pharmacists do it day in, day out um, it's probably one of the uh, the great strengths and attractiveness, frankly, of the profession to a, to a lot of young people is that you are helping people. So those are the three things that I would really leverage off, uh, not only to support future COVID-19 vaccinations, particularly boosters, uh, all those people who are vaccine hesitant. Uh, as I said, their primary concern, over 50% of them is side effects. Uh, and I think as part of having conversations, you've got to know the details. Um, and that is uh, reading up on the latest information, whether that's from 
Guild L&D, the Australasian College or wherever else uh, about the side effects and being able to answer people's questions, being confident uh, in the ability to say to someone, look, uh, I know you might have seen that online, but uh, the latest medical research from The Lancet, for instance, or the latest study from a Department of Health somewhere would would uh, would say that uh, it's it's slightly different to your version. You know, you shouldn't be afraid to to stand up for the profession and the the integrity that's uh, that's behind the uh, the medicines and the efficacy of them uh, that you distribute each day. For those people who are not vaccinated, as I said earlier, they are really going through a process of discernment, and I think. Uh, We've seen this in the increasing numbers of people in Western Australia, uh, South Australia and Queensland who are getting vaccinated. I also think at play there is now an end date uh, and that end date is, you know, the reopening of borders, the knowledge that we're now moving to living with COVID as opposed to um, trying to suppress it all the time, given that we've got our vaccination rates so high. Um, and I think... Uh, there's a way forward there where you can help those people who are going through that discernment. Uh, they'll have questions. Uh, and it comes back to the customer interaction, the conversations um, and the help that you're able to give them. Uh, so we're going to help you in that sense. Um, as part of the pharmacy kit that uh, will be going out to pharmacy shortly, there's a number of brochures, um, posters, um, badges, conversation starters, a whole range of different materials. Um, but uh, in particular, the brochure that we're putting together goes through the three vaccines that are available, Moderna, AstraZeneca and Pfizer, uh, and deals with some of the most uh, common hesitancy issues um, that, uh, that patients are raising uh, and that came through from the consumer research. Jared, great chat. Firstly, with Natalie and now yourself. So to wrap it up and considering all of what we've spoken about, what's next in terms of the rollout? Well, boosters are definitely next. Uh, I suspect children will follow, uh, so those aged 5 to 11 at some stage uh, for the mRNA category. Interestingly, there's no target, uh, no national target. Uh, I should say, on the booster program. And uh, that'll mean that people who come in for boosters uh, potentially go back to a very similar demographic that you're used to uh, in pharmacy, uh, either the worried well, um, those over the age of 65 who um, understand the virus uh, in greater detail, so they're, they're a more discerning customer, if I can put it that way. Um, uh, and they want to make sure they've got maximum protection. But there's no race with the booster program. Um, but uh, there is obviously 21 million Australians that are eligible for a booster uh, and we'll be handing out 250 million scripts between now and March next year and beyond. I think that's a phenomenal opportunity as I said, have more of those customer, uh, to demonstrate better customer experiences, to have more conversations with your newer patients uh, and to um, be able to help and assist uh, with a booster that uh, frankly will give people uh, a greater sense of comfort 
will help those with more chronic diseases. Uh, and now that we've got the full suite of vaccines available, uh, I think pharmacy is uniquely placed uh, to have a conversation with everyone who walks in about their vaccination options. Uh, and don't forget, after this, after March, we'll get into flu. Uh, and with uh, travel, uh, worldwide travel, a little bit easier for Australians, uh, we will end up with a Northern Hemisphere variant of the flu in Australia that we haven't seen for 18 months almost. So uh, I would expect the, the flu season to flow out of the booster program. Um, uh, I hope uh, that many of our pharmacies that have had new interactions with customers are able to convert some of those customers um, into getting their flu vaccinations um, because that'll take the pressure off our hospitals um, come the middle of, of 2022. Uh, and you'll hear more of all of this at APP uh, in March 2022, which is fantastic. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure everybody's looking forward to getting out and about and particularly getting to APP in 2022. Jared Benedett, Queensland Guild Branch Director and COVID PR Campaign Director, thank you so much for joining us today. It's very much appreciated. Pleasure. And of course, Natalie Willis, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experiences on the front line. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. What a great discussion. As Natalie mentioned, the rollout provides great opportunity to demonstrate the value of community pharmacy as a primary healthcare destination. Importantly, as Jared mentioned, the findings of the consumer research reiterate the high level of trust that consumers have in their community pharmacist. The Pharmacy Guild's work in relation to pharmacy's role in the COVID-19 vaccine rollout exemplifies their mission to serve the needs and preferences of patients and healthcare consumers across Australia using pharmacy's unique role in medication management and safety. A vibrant, dynamic and commercial community pharmacy network is essential for the health and well-being of all Australians. If you would like to learn more and view all the latest COVID-19 vaccination resources, simply visit guild.org.au. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 85 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.